everybody. Welcome to Radio Radar episode 49. This week on the show, myself, Sam, Dave, and Lucas Sullivan returning to the show for the first time in quite a while. Talk you through Ubisoft's For Honor. We dig into The Last Guardian, the long-delayed game by Fumito Ueda, the creator of Shadow of the Colossus and Ico. And then move on to Sam's disappointment in Xbox-exclusive ReCore before wrapping up with a little talk about the awesomest things at Tokyo Game Show. Listen on. You better run for the hills, because the Mac is back. I'm hugging up creatures like Stack Homeboy. Monsters kinky, got no morals. Monster loves to get oral. Mm. All right. Excuse we're going me. With the deep, yeah, we're going with the deep Sir Mix-a-Lot cuts today. Wow. That's how we're doing it. Yeah, everybody forgets that Sir Mix-a-Lot had more than one song. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew that yeah, I, Sir Mix-a-Lot had more than one I song. always thought he was just called Sir Mix-a-Lot, ironically, and he was actually Sir Mix-a-Little. <laughs> Sir Mix-a-Little? <laughs> Sir Mix-a-Single. Sir Mix-a-Bit? Don't want... Bun- don't want none. Don't want... Yeah, don't Unless want... Unless you got buns, hon. Don't... That's, that'd be... If I ran a theme park, it would be I think be that was like, uh, don't... one of Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's sonnets was that, yeah. that line. That was from that line. Yeah. <laughs> To buns or not to buns. That is the. If I, <laughs> if I had, if I had my own theme park, my theme park's tagline would be like, "I don't want none unless it's got fun, son." And then, uh, but yeah, what about yeah, daughters just, though? It would How be are they really bad. You're really with copyright infringement though. At that point. <laughs> Welcome back to Radio Radar. This is episode forty-nine. My name is Anthony Agnello, and fall is in full effect. Things are happening in the world of games as we record this. The Tokyo Game Show 2016 is deep underway, and we have assembled a band of ruffians to to guide you through the beginning of fall. We have Sam Prell. I like to think of myself as the puckish rogue of the group. (laughs) (laughs) And a man who likes to think of himself as a warrior, Dave Roberts. Hello. And uh, returning to the podcast after a long absence... It's been a hot minute. Lucas... In in a hot minute. (laughs) The prodigal son returns. The prodigal son returns. Lucas Sullivan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, everybody. It has been a, a hell of a week. Uh, there have been many. It's not the week that last week was. They they didn't announce a new PlayStation Four this week that really requires people to own televisions that they're not going to own for five years. Right. Uh, <laughs> not quite as exciting as that. Shigeru Miyamoto didn't trot on stage and <laughs> cause uh, Satoru Iwata to turn over in his grave. Oh, that boy. didn't happen this week. Those those were all last week. This but week, Sony did announce new colors of the Vita. So, That's right. <laughs> the Vita survived. So, yes, <laughs> Sony recognizing that the Vita exists in the last 30 years. <laughs> All right, Dave, we were going to save this for the end of the show, but we need to like specify the fact that not only are there new Vita models coming out in, in, in spring of 2017 in Japan, not, not the U.S. Nobody get excited. You're not getting your jack-o'-lantern red Vita here in the United States. There's no, there's no GameStop trade-in for that. However, <laughs> I like that these are coming out at the exact same time as the game that I think is peak Vita 
Like, this is it. This is the Ouroboros of <laughs> Japanese Vita design, where absurd perversion eats the tail of actually kind of inspired game design. A, a game was announced this past week that is coming out in February of 2017 exclusively for PS Vita called Drive Girls. Sam, will you walk people through what Drive Girls is? Oh, where to begin? Well, so imagine if Optimus Prime had <laughs> on a little Lolita dress and was a cute... He's so kawaii. Oh, my God. <laughs> kawaii desu. Kawaii oh, desu I'm gonna Optimus vomit. Prime. I'm going to vomit. So, yeah, the so Drive Girls are girls... Uh, and they have these cute little, like, Lolita outfits on, and some of them, they're mm -hmm. all different themed. One of them is a cat girl. One of them mm -hmm. is, like, a giant gun. Um, <laughs> I, she's just, it's silver, and she has a big gun, and they fight insect aliens. Right. And then they also save the world by transforming into cars. Not, they turn into drift cars. Yeah, they're, like, straight-up cars. They don't look like girls wearing cars or anything like that they are straight up tokyo drift style cars and then they race and then they turn into <laughs> girls again yeah and then yeah. The, the thing that i noticed when you sent me the link to this <laughs> was in big old bold letters at the top from the makers of bushido blade that's right that's where we that's how far we've fallen <laughs> that's where we've gone to as a we've gone right I yeah, want Bushido this game Blades. so bad. I really <laughs> want this game. Oh, right. I forgot to mention. Um, it also has a costume break system sim similar to the Senron Kagura games. Oh, boy. So right. if they take enough damage in battle, you know, you get, like, panty shots and stuff. Now, is that right. reflected in the car form? I sincerely hope so. Like, I want <laughs> to see, like, you got you got damaged in battle, and then all of a sudden it's just it's still just a car. And the trunk opens, and you can just see underpants in the trunk. <laughs> it's not even like they're form-fitted over the car. It's just a trunk like, full of underpants. With a butt like, or I just want, underpants? It's just No, it's not. there's not a butt in the trunk. It's just... Like, there is no literal junk in the trunk. It's just underpants <laughs> in the trunk. I want, I want the fetishism of this game to get so arcane... That you can't even tell who might find it titillating. It's like, is that really just like, is that just a pair of Fruit of the Looms in the trunk of that car? I'd be like, yeah, man, it's awesome. Actual right? size, so you can Lucas, barely you, see them. You said that you have thoughts about the existence of drivers. So girls. let me get into this. Are you guys familiar with Can Coal? I believe it's called, where it's oh, like World uh, like, War Two era battleships wait no turned into girls what? no what Th that's yeah, like that's a, a Japanese thing. thing like there are hot windows mascots like you know all right yeah <laughs> yeah so there's we have hyperdimension neptunia which right. is sexy girls who are also game consoles and we have we have there's I can't even remember what it's called, but there's like a, a Vita game and an anime that is exclusively about high school girls who are also Sega consoles. I'm aware <laughs> that this is like a thing, that this is a recurring but thing. This is but like Lucas, they're, next they're level. World World War Two battleships. What? I think 
you know what? I'm going to do some quick Googling here, but I, I believe it's for, like, the model building fan base who, wow. you know, <laughs> like to... All right, it's it's called the Kantai Collection, shortened to Cole. These are ladies who have, yeah, like heavy artillery just sprouting out do. of their backs. <laughs> oh, boy. And, uh, I'm sorry, I had to make that joke. I, I bet they have heavy artillery. I don't know if this is a game or a show or just imagery that is extremely popular, <laughs> but it's all over the place. It, it's hot. It's hot, hot I heat. I don't understand. So I'm wondering if Drive Girls is like a response to, to that. Yeah, exactly. It's try. It, it, they're like, yo, what if? What is it? Kangol? It's K A N C O L L E. Wait a second. So it's the exact. It's it's what it's the hat line that Samuel L. Jackson has been wearing for 20 years. <laughs> it's the Kangol collection. What's so there's Kangol, co- there's Kangol Collection 1, which is sexy girls who turn into World War II battleships. But then there's Kangol Collection 2, which is sexy teen anime girls that turn into Samuel L. Jackson. Just his head. His head with the hat on. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a very different thing. I, I, in in honor... So our, our, our fearless leader, Susan Arndt, is on vacation this week. She's actually in Florida so in her honor, I will, like, go back to her, her line when it comes to these games. Whatever your perversion is, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, like, whatever. Like, you're allowed to perv out, and I'm allowed to think you're weird for perving out about anime <laughs> girls who are also World War II battleships. But Drive Girls feels... Like, I'm almost in awe of it. I say this as a man who owns a copy of Galgun and still has it in the shrink wrap so I can sell it when I'm 29. And by 29, I mean 49. Uh, I I love it. It says E for everyone on the back. And I can't wait to to sell that to some weirdo on eBay. You're going to pay for your daughter's college with that. I can't wait. I can't wait. I say, like, and and I, I invited the localization lead for Senren Kagura onto our stream because I'm fascinated by that game because it's it's got a deeper story than you would expect for something where breasts act like wild volleyballs filled with sand and joy. Uh, <laughs> a heavy now, all of that said, yeah, yeah. Dr- Dr- Drive Girls just seems like... I can't tell if it's a peak or a nadir. I don't know <laughs> if this is the moment where, like, the... the cliche of pervy ps vita games has gone too far or attained enlightenment i just hey who says the vita's dead who says the vita's dead (laughs) (laughs) all right so we've got like i I guess drive girls is out of the way we could talk again talk about a game that i think a lot more people are interested in that is coming out at the exact same time as drive girls in february 2017 (laughs) but has been playable nice segue uh, playable this week for to the public for the first time in a closed alpha it's ubisoft's for honor if you are unfamiliar with for honor uh you could be forgiven because that name is not good uh not like 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 how do you how uh, i don't know what you're doing ubisoft i don't know who's sitting there coming up with your with your names for your games but for honor is not a great name for a game that is actually kind of fascinating it is 
Lucas, how how would you describe For Honor? Uh, because people go to the Dark Souls comparison. Uh, I don't like that comparison. I'm and, not a fan. Uh, like, Me either. Yeah. Neither do I. Like I now that I've played it, it's partially true. Like I I can see why people say that, but it's it's very incomplete picture. So paint us a full portrait. Uh, all right. So it's basically a. I would say multiplayer-focused, though there is going to be a single-player campaign, uh, sword-fighting game, or whatever giant weapon you happen to be holding. And it has some of the best melee combat, in my opinion, of recent years. Because mm. I really love the rock-paper-scissors-style uh, up, left, or right stance dancing that yeah, you're doing explain, the whole time. Yeah, it, it, like, it, that. It's so hard to verbally explain how that works like basically the rock, paper, it's, scissors, it's three directions you can push on the right stick and to block incoming attacks you have to match whatever direction the person attacking you is coming at and it becomes a, a mind game of like am i going to block this attack and then go for something or assume they're going to keep attacking from that angle I, i'm a big fan i, I want to get into the alpha more over the weekend and see what's what especially with the uh the 1v1 mode that they're debuting mm, in the alpha mm, mm. i think that's so, going to be hot hot heat the very the very first thing i tried in the alpha lucas i i, I spent a, a nice 90 minutes in the alpha yesterday and i want to give a shout out to my first my first partner in the 2v2 mode <laughs> The Dangle Bus. The Dangle Bus. <laughs> the Dangle Bus, who I met on PlayStation Network and who yeah. we hung tough. We hung tough as partners for a while. So this one goes out to you, Dangle Spectating Bus. Spectating the Dangle Bus. Spectating I'm, the Dangle Bus. I love people's gamer tags sometimes. Yeah, game, gamer tags are the best, man. Uh, but before before the Dangle Bus and I partnered up, uh, I tried out the one on one mode very first thing after learning the basics of control. Mm-hmm. And. Like, the one-on-one mode both exemplifies everything that For Honor does that's really interesting, but also demonstrates how there there might be uh, some limitations in, in, like, the fundamental game design. Like, we might be staring at a situation that reminds me sort of like Assassin's Creed 1, where this first For Honor will be more proof of concept hmm. than a great game. So, like Lucas said... Uh, the the combat is very much about matching what your one-on-one opponent is doing. The control scheme is very unique. You you target a enemy by holding L2, and that's what brings up the little reticule where that lets you see what stance they're holding uh, with their weapon, whether they're they're going up or they're down right or down left, and that's what you need to match to block or you know, uh, do the opposite of that to get in a strike against them. And you sort of learn the rhythm of matching what your opponent is doing and then also dodging, knowing when to run away and turn your back on them, when to use your shield break. Uh, A lot of people that I met in the alpha were relying less on actual blocking than just shield breaking somebody, shield breaking somebody. (laughs) And shield breaking looks superficially from the outside just like using a shield break in Dark Souls where you're sort of swinging at them to break their block. 
but in practice, it feels a lot more like, and I know this might uh, sound surprising considering its age, it feels a lot like Heavenly Sword uh, <laughs> in terms of switching between the styles and now you're doing this. It feels like those old Ninja Theory action games, Heavenly Sword and uh, Enslaved and even DMC. Uh, but at the exact same time, when you're in these one-on-one fights, it gets really button mashy. That's what really, I was really worrying. Quickly. Like, yeah. because you can switch stances so easily, are people just mm-hmm. gonna sort of roll their thumbs around the right stick and just hope to connect? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think the funny, yeah. Go ahead, Sam. Well, okay. So disclosure: I have not played For Honor. I have seen gameplay of it, and I have seen people uh, play the alpha. Um, however. I did play Absolver, which is from an indie studio made up of ex-Ubisoft devs who left right oh. around the time that For Honor would have been in development. And they're oh. very, very similar. Interesting. Um, yeah, I really want to know the story there, but I'm sure they can't talk about it due to NDAs and stuff. Um, in fact, I kind of probed that at E3. But anyway, um, Absolver... I kind of got that same sense where because you can switch stances so often um, and that each move like kind of flows into the next one, would people just button mash? And I tried that against the devs, and obviously they're the devs. They are the most familiar with it. But it did not work because he was able to kind of understand how switching from one form to another would lead to this next attack or this other mm. next move sort of thing. So I think mm. just like a fighting game, if you train yourself to recognize what's coming, like, you know, there are some fighting games where button mashing can get you so far, but it's not going to work against a trained opponent. Totally, so, yeah. So I kind of, I, like I said, I haven't played For Honor myself, but I kind of feel like that might end up being the same case where button mashing will work against your kind of average groups, but I think the higher tier of skill players will be able to see what's coming. So what's interesting about that to me, Sam, is that the game itself almost encourages button mashing. Really? And yeah, so the 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 three modes that are available in the alpha, and I don't know if there are more modes available in the full version. I'm not sure what you've seen in previews, Lucas. But there's the one-on-one, there's 2v2, and the 2v2 is you can either be... You and a human partner versus AI opponents, or you and your partner versus two other humans. And then there's 4v4, which is the same thing, but the 4v4 mode is more of a sort of open warfare mode, wherein you're not just trying to kill the other, you know, sort of leaders, there are grunts who are vying to control territory, and there are three capture points, A, B, and C, and you're trying to control all of those while also killing the four sort of big tier generals who are, you know, you're one of four generals on your side, you're against four generals on the other side, and you're trying to kill all of them, and whoever kills all of their opponents and gets to a certain score before the time runs out is is who wins. Think of it like a cross between... Uh, Bushido Blade and Dynasty Warriors and it's it's an interesting thing you know because at the end of the day the, the basis of it is just what if Battlefield but Dark Souls but it ends up feeling <laughs> kind of unique 
Hmm. Uh, but while you're doing it, so I kept playing with three guys uh, against an AI squad of four, and which was really really fun, and it creates this really good sense of teamwork without creating a sense of like animosity or broiness. You know, that's always a concern when you play something like Battlefront, and you know you're you're fighting against other people. You can get into that realm of like churning frustration. Where it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I hate playing with these people. They're they're so cheap. Blah 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 blah. No, like that stuff gets weeded out when you're fighting the AI. But when you are fighting the AI, the AI is merciless. They will just like <laughs> bum rush you and just use every single one of their skills uh, that are unlocked. When you're playing the four v four mode, there's almost like a a MOBA esque system of unlocking four special skills in the fight. Depending on what character class you choose, they will have four different skills, and you have to level up during the match. You have to get a number of kills or get a certain score, and that will let you access your tier one skill, your tier two skill, etc. Your AI opponents will just use like what all of their skills right at the beginning and throw you off a parapet, and you will <laughs> die terribly. <laughs> I did and not know they could do that. Oh yeah, yeah, they just wail on you. At least in the alpha, like. You know, obviously this is going to get tweaked before the final game comes out in February. Right now, they just kick the shit out of you. (laughs) And oftentimes, the most effective thing to do is to go up and just start wailing on them. Button mash. (laughs) Like, do not try to do your clever blocking thing because one of their partners will come up behind you and just start wrecking you. You now, only have enough time to button mash. The cool thing is, if you are getting ganged up on, uh, this was at the the most recent playtest I got to see, but there's this thing called the revenge meter where mm-hmm. it tries to mm-hmm. level out imbalanced fights. So you basically go Super Saiyan if two people are attacking you. Um, and there is a way to see incoming strikes even if you're not locked on to somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, it does seem like it gets a little out of control if you get caught by a gang of the the opponents. Even when it's one-on-one. Even when it's one-on-one. So for the first two or three of the 4v4 matches, I was using a Berserker, which is the second-tier unlock in the the Viking uh, clan Mm -hmm. of fighters. And the Berserker is all about very, very fast, close-range attacks. They wield two tiny little hatchets. <laughs> and I I was sitting there like, all right, I had been playing as a samurai up to that point, the, the first tier of samurai. And I got very used to being like, all right, I'm going to block down left, and then I'm going to shield break. I'm going to go for an overhead strong slash. And I kept trying to do that with the Berserker. And it was like, no, you are going to die. Stop trying to block. <laughs> you can't do that. You go up there and button mash. Well, here's right another now. cool thing. Uh, apparently, the so there are like four roles within each um, faction, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the one that's offense based, I think, called the assassin. They can't block indefinitely. It's like a it ticks down as you're yeah. blocking. So it's all about like, can you block at the very last second, and then. Mm-hmm attack but i think another problem is that there's so much stuff going on in for honor especially in the 4v4 mode that it's really it's going to be really difficult for all that info to be messaged to the player i mean i think they do a good job of it but i wouldn't know any of that unless someone had told me beforehand oh yeah yeah and the funny thing is lucas is when you when you build up to that 4v4 mode 
it's very easy to retain all that information. The tutorial is so good. It's the kind of thing that I've always wished was in Dark Souls, where where it's like, now we're gonna teach you about blocking. Now mm-hmm. we're gonna teach you about shield breaking. Here is how <laughs> all these complex controls work. We're not gonna just gonna like send you out there and Here's let a, a knight... note on the ground. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a note on the ground, and then my butt got carved in half. Like that doesn't happen. It you build up, you do the one on one mode, you get a very good feel for everything, and then everything you've learned goes to shit when you get in the four v four mode. <laughs> Because it's just impossible to keep up with how fast everything is happening. Yeah, I think, I, uh, I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I can understand why somebody would be very, very excited about it. I think that they're, it is undoubtedly the most original thing to come out of Ubisoft in years. <laughs> I don't think I will ever play the final. And I was telling Anthony <laughs> that if this game does well expect this combat to show up in a, like maybe a future Assassin's Creed title because that's what happens. I mean, I'd be down with that. I'd be so down. Uh, but I think another part of it, like I think why people make the Dark Souls comparison is because the combat feels similarly weighty. Like yeah. it's not that you're fighting big bosses or that you die in two hits or anything, but it's just that every time you swing a sword or anything like that, it it feels good. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. that's the heart of it. Very true, and also that the that you need to be paying attention in combat. That if you decide like, oh, I'm just gonna go nuts and not worry about <laughs> anything and just start trying to slash away, you're gonna die really <laughs> really fast. And you're also the other thing that feels Dark Soulsy is not just like, do you have that weight? of all of your attacks. There's also the the stamina maintenance that you really need to worry about. And there were more than a few times where I started trying the really heavy class, the Conqueror. And, you know, uh, Conqueror's another one where if you get an opening, the best thing you can do is button mash because that will you'll be able to kill your opponent really quickly. But at the same time, his stamina runs out so fast. <laughs> That I had that Dark Souls feeling of being like, ha ha, I'm unstoppable. F you, giant fire-breathing turtle. And then you run out of stamina and you have to limp away for 10 <laughs> seconds and then you die. Uh, yeah, I, I, Lucas, what do you know about the campaign? I mean, have they, have they, have they illuminated that at all in previews? You know, I need to do more digging into it, but I am intrigued that there's like a fourth force uh who's trying to orchestrate all these factions to fight each other the knights samurai and vikings Mm -hmm. um and it looks like you're kind of invading the dimensions of the other factions as you fight which i think will be really Mm. cool like that just naturally lends itself to cool variety in uh in the environment types uh but i don't know i don't think they've said too much about how long it is or how deep the story goes like if you have actual named characters that you're playing as or if it's just viking samurai knights so they haven't they haven't explained who the fourth faction is at all it's uh it's a woman whose name i can't remember and she in the cinematic the story cinematic they showed she's like instigating from afar with (laughs) shooting arrows at fools it's the jocks it's the cool kids (laughs) everybody knows it's the damn cool kids 
It's that, who's that blonde girl for Mean Girls? Is it her? That's, that's a tough. Uh, I can't remember her name, but yes. Is it Minu Suvari from American Beauty? Is that what's happening? Oh, you lost no. me. Sounds like, I don't know. It actually sounds like Juno from uh, the Assassin's Creed series. Oh, snap. Because Juno was the like master orchestrator of that ancient civilization that was pitting the Templars and the Assassins against each other and blah blah blah. Uh, and, oh my oh, god! Well, there you and go. Then you beat the Did game. Did you just reveal that this is an Assassin's Creed spinoff? Is I, that what's happening now? Well, you know, they said they weren't going to do any Assassin's Creed for a year, and uh, you know, maybe that time off gave them an idea. <laughs> they I have love, to slip it love, in I somewhere. I love Ubisoft's like, yeah, no Assassin's Creed for a year. Have this HD collection. We were just messing with you. Guys. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Have an HD collection. Please buy uh, it. It's ten. It's 1080p, but the same frames per second. It's great. You'll it's love it. great. It's I'd, great. I'd play those games so, again. I don't care. <laughs> you, you want you want all that Ezio? Oh man, it. Ezio's the best. Ezio especially is the old, best. especially old man Ezio. Like Revelations doesn't get enough credit. I think. Revelations I've never played. I've never. Credit, that is correct. I've never played Brotherhood or Revelations. Brotherhood is I, is is really good in that it's like oh wow they actually made a really good sequel in a year, um, and Revelations is like. It doesn't have that same wow factor because it's like, oh, well, they just did it again. But, like, Constantinople's really, just really, really cool. Uh, old Man Ezio's great. Uh, and uh, the, the, but the tower defense side missions are garbage. Just the worst. <laughs> just absolutely awful. Re- Revelations <laughs> is kind of where I first started feeling the bloat of Assassin's Creed. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like sure. we're starting to throw too many things in here. I felt that uh, too. <laughs> you got really? <laughs> Lucas, that's that is uh, man, that is an unusual opinion. People people love Assassin's Creed too. That was the last one that I played and enjoyed. I actually am not like a huge Assassin's Creed guy. Like the I've only played start to finish one, two, and Unity, and I <laughs> uh, I write letters to Ubisoft on a monthly basis asking for those thirty hours of my life back uh, <laughs> after Unity. I just want that time back because that that game's terrible um why do you not like two well i think i played it at the wrong time because i played it well after i think four was already out and i was like oh wow it's time for me to try to get into this series uh but i i believe i had just gotten over open world games where the map is littered (laughs) with icons that'll do it (laughs) and i was like I really enjoyed the first two cities, but when I got to the third one, I was wishing it would end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, especially because that third city is so architecturally dense, but there's just less to do there. It's like, <laughs> and now go to a masquerade ball and collect these doodads to get a black shirt. And it's like, shut up, Assassin's Creed. I don't want to. But... <laughs> I'm not doing any of that, but Assassin's man, Creed. You should have pushed through because the last boss you get to fist fight the Pope. That's what yeah, I've, that, what that I've seen, awesome. what I've heard. You get to punch the Pope right in the face. Right in yep. the face. Yeah. <laughs> Video games, everyone. Right in the kisser. <laughs> it feels it feels real good. Uh, Lucas, it's interesting to hear you say that you didn't play uh, Assassin's Creed two until way after the fact because there is another part of what people consider the sort of modern video game canon that you have missed out on over the years. You have yes. never played Eco. You've only played a little bit of Shadow of the Colossus. 
I think I and killed yet... the first Colossus, and then that that yeah, was a wrap. It. That's a rat. So what's fascinating about that to me is that you have played The Last Guardian, the game that is directed by Fumita Ueda, that it was also the creator of those two games, and people have been waiting to come out for freaking seven years since that first trailer (laughs) uh, came out at E3 in 2009. Uh, Yeah, man, what does The Last Guardian play like? That's the thing. Uh... So first off, I just want to say to everyone listening, temper your expectations because it's already impossible for a game to live up to a seven-year wait. But I think this one, you can see that it was delayed and had to trans uh, transition platforms and all that stuff. Uh, and maybe it started out with designs that are not super modern, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, the, the crux of my preview, uh, that you can read on the site is that I feel like The Last Guardian is going to be a really beautiful game. Um, maybe not graphically because <laughs> some of those textures uh, are a little jank, a little grainy. Uh, but the concept of the boy who is still unnamed and Trico, who's the big cat slash bird creature that, uh, accompanies you. That's a really, a really neat concept, and I think it's going to be a good story. But the actual playing of the game is where things kind of went wrong for me, because any time mm. I was failing to make progress or failing to uh, carry out a scene the way it was supposed to be done, I just felt like I'm, I'm ruining this, this moment, and I wish I could just watch it as like a, a Ghibli movie instead of running around in circles not understanding what i'm supposed to do and being frustrated by it mm. so yeah i i had heard several i'd read several previews about this and a lot of games or a lot of um outlets describe it as a a game out of time right it's it's a game with a lot of its mechanics rooted in ps2 era designs and um you can tell that it's, like you said, been ported over and had adjustments made. Um, that being said, like going back and playing Shadow of the Colossus, it is not a gamey sort of game. And when we were when we were putting together our article um, about like the games that deserve to be considered art or whatever it was called, I can't remember exactly. The perfect oh, the, game. Uh, perfect yeah, perfect games. games. Yeah. Like Shadow of the Colossus, if you look at it from a gameplay perspective, it's not a very good game game like yeah. uh there's several parts of it that are very ambiguous you don't understand how to do certain things until much later in the game um wander controls terribly but it all makes sense within that world you know um like wander runs around and is loose loosely controlled because he's just a guy with a sword he's not a trained warrior sort of thing and that sort of illusion has been tried before to varying degrees of success of hey we want you to play as a regular guy and not you know the super amazing mary sue character that a lot of video game heroes are um 
So I really look forward to, like, you talking about how it's, like, janky and doesn't control well. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch this little boy stumble around and fall into walls. I can't (laughs) wait to get stuck in a room and not figure out how to get out of it for 30 minutes. It's going to be great. Everything from the stupid griffin not to listen to me. (laughs) Everything you're saying, Sam is what keeps running through my head every single time I read one of these previews. Because every single one of them, and not just, it's not just Shadow of the Colossus. You know, like you're saying, like, Wander controls like shit in Shadow of the Colossus. (laughs) But it's Eco too. Like, Eco, one of these Mm. games that people talk about as, like, an unimpeachable masterpiece. Eco from, like, a Consumer <laughs> Reports GamePro 5 out of 5 yelling faces perspective <laughs> is a garbage game. Like, <laughs> the first time you move Eco himself, he, like, literally almost falls over. You're like, this, what is happening? Why am I playing as a little doll boy who controls like he's filled with jello? You this swing your plank of wood and it hits a s- wall and you fall over. And you fall down. And like, like you go through these combat sequences where you're not even sure if you're connecting with the smoke monsters that are trying to kidnap your girlfriend who doesn't even speak the same way. You spend... Half your time in eco being like, and she's meanwhile walking into a brick wall, and you're like, God damn it, lady, just get on the couch, just get on the couch so I can save the game and go to bed. Damn it. And like, every preview of The Last Guardian, Lucas, they everybody says the same thing as you. They're like, Well, it. It doesn't look really great for a PlayStation 4 game. The textures are kind of crap, and the the character really doesn't control that well, and half the time this animal isn't doing what I want it to, and I'm like, oh, so it's Shadow of the Colossus and Eco again, but with a griffin. All right, two two things I have to get off my chest here. So the first is I think I'm the reincarnation of the Game Pro screaming head <laughs> because I play games to have fun. So anytime I'm like straining to enjoy the story because of mechanical stuff, I get I get peeved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have a hard time overlooking. Uh, you know, like if I feel like I'm looking dumb and the game is not supposed to be letting me do that, then there's a disconnect. Yeah, um, I just I'm imagining you talking to the game like it's a bad child in a supermarket. <laughs> you are embarrassing me. <laughs> well, it's more like I'm embarrassing you and I don't mean to be. It's like me stumbling around on a stage play going like I wish I knew my lines because then this would be great, but I'm making this look really stupid. But, like, that's that's a perfectly valid way to, to approach a game. But, mm. you know, like, on the other hand, there's also just the... Like, it, it's a bold choice to want to say, like, well, this is my artistic vision. I want it to be about a little awkward boy climbing a catbird guy. And, well, a little awkward boy isn't going to be, like, you know, he's not going to be perfect. And I like it's an interesting statement to make to introduce that imperfection into the mechanics. And like, yeah, there's some people who just 
hate those kids. Like Susan's not a huge fan of Eco or Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, she hate she hates the Last Guardian too. She played yeah. it at E three E three twenty fifteen, and hates it. And that's <laughs> hates it. And that's totally valid. You know, like it's it's it'll be interesting to see where the 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 popular opinion on this game lands when it finally comes out. Well, the I'm other old. thing is so. I think the key difference with The Last Guardian is that I don't believe there is any combat of any form. And at mm. least when in Shadow of the Colossus, like you have clunky, somewhat clunky combat in that it's hard to figure out like where am I supposed to stab or attack or anything like that. But you're at least saying to yourself like, I have to take this thing down, how do I do it? But in The Last Guardian, the thing, the big thing that you're interacting with is your friend, but he's equally hard to communicate with, and it's equally difficult to get Trico to do what you want. And the fact that you are impeded by him rather than, like, he's an objective you're trying to take down, I think that's going to be a snag for a lot of people. Lucas, now, do you remember when you would see the rare moment when GamePro would give a game a bad review? (laughs) And, like, instead of the red background behind the yelling head, it was, like, sort of blue, purple. It was, like, a thumbs down, right? Yeah, it's, well, no, the face, like, he looks sort of downcast, like, yelling head has some kind of cold, and he's, like, His hair has fallen down, and he's just a sad man. Yeah, that... Like, that would be you if you played Eco. <laughs> because Eco is everything that you're saying about this game, but then there is combat on top of it, and, and it's, it's not terrible. Great. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's bad. And, and it, it, like, the entire time you have to do the combat, you're just screaming at the screen, please let this end. Please make it stop so but I can then, go back to trying to solve platforming puzzles. But then, but then the shadow monsters come and they take the princess, so you have to start all the way over again. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. The whole thing again. All of it. All of it all over again. Well, here's uh, the thing. I like clunky games in the right light. Mm. Like, I, I'm trying to think of the last... I've played some bullshit games, let me tell you. <laughs> and I, I am a fan of finding weird stuff on PS2 and being like, let me just pop raw this in. Raw Danger. It, uh, there was, yeah, Raw Danger was one. We What did we do? We streamed that. There was another one like Pirates of the Black Buccaneer or something like that. Yeah. Where it, just, it controls awfully, but I'm still enjoying going through the world. Uh but the problem here is that this game has so much to live up to in terms of like it being a PS4 exclusive and there being so much faith put into it yeah. that it kind of... I, I don't know if you can swing something like that when the game has to live up to so much. This is, this is a really weird comparison point, but... You know, like you said, Lucas, like there there are such high expectations and people have put this game on such a pedestal after so long. Uh, but it's also so old fashioned and it's from an artist and a team who are so idiosyncratic about their 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 style and the type not just visually and orally, but the kind of gameplay that they make. And it kind of reminds me of Stanley Kubrick. And I realize, like, how sort of up my own ass that sounds. But, (laughs) like, the reason I say Stanley Kubrick is I think about just before Stanley Kubrick died and they put out Eyes Wide Shut. 
And part of the big pitch for Eyes Wide Shut was every single scene was shot on a set. You know, every Manhattan street is actually a set and it's lit like a set. And it's he's making this movie in the late 90s using all of the techniques and artful style that he made these 1960s classics like Lolita and 2001 and uh, Dr. Strangelove. And, you know, all of these years later, people see the exact same sort of stylistic tricks. And rather than having it have the same inspiring feeling and emotional heft, it just feels dated and weird to them. <laughs> and then, you know, after all that time, people are like, what the shit is this? This is terrible. <laughs> and then a few years go by and it, it finds the following that it was intended for anyway. And I'm, I'm really wondering if, you know, 30 years between classics is a lot different than 10 years between classics. It's been... It will be more than 11 years. It'll be 11 years and one month from Shadow of the Colossus when Last Guardian finally comes out. Uh, but I think that's enough time that the things that people connected with emotionally back on the PlayStation 2 are going to be lost on a modern audience that wasn't there for that when it happened. Yeah, I'm trying to think about, like, the teenager who sees trailers for Last Guardian and thinks, like, oh, that's going to be really cool. Mm -hmm. They buy the game, and they're like, this is trash. Like, that's what they're going to think. Right. Because yeah. they don't care about Eco and Shadow of the Colossus or the HD <laughs> re-releases. Yeah. Like, they could give a crap about that. So, yeah. yeah, it's, I don't know. A comparison I like to make is, like, so Inside was a game about artistry and, like, putting your vision into a game. And I really liked Inside, even though that was kind of divisive, uh, because it still played well, even if, mm. you know, it has it has flaws. And it still made me feel something, dang it. <laughs> but I worry <laughs> with The Last Guardian, it's the same, like, pure expression of artistry and what Team Eco wants to get across but if the game is getting in the way of that expression then mm. it just it just makes me feel bad it makes me feel like i shouldn't be part of this equation i should just be watching yeah. someone else play this lucas man i'm right there with you inside i think is one of the three best games to come out this year i love it Oh, man. I, I thought Inside was so up its own ass. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 2004 like, called it once its physics puzzles back. <laughs> Whatever, man. You're wrong. It's a, very, it's a very good game, but I just, like, when I was oh, it's, done with it's it, gorgeous. I was like, I was like I, that was a game. I'm done yep. with it now. And, All like, right. and, and that's a game that I feel like if they had taken those puzzles out and if it was just, like, move from left to right and experience this weird thing, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Well, get ready for some Last Guardian puzzles where you leap into a room, take a lamp off a chain, walk up a flight of stairs that takes literally 30 seconds, and then drop the pot on another chain so that a door opens. Lucas, Eco 2, Lucas, baby! Stop. Lucas, stop. I can't handle it anymore. It's, you're making me it's too, too excited. Glorious. The screen cannot contain the action of... 
Yeah. <laughs> Sam, do, when you hear him say, like, then you carry the pot up li- uh, stairs I'm because so you're a little excited. boy, I'm like, yes, I'm really yes, shit. awesome. I'm not, being, I'm not being a jerk or a smartass. Yeah. I'm really actually like, oh, yeah, I remember doing those things. It's great. Me too. Totally. Absolutely. Get put it in my veins. Uh, Sam, you, meanwhile, have also been playing a game that feels like it was designed for the PlayStation 2. Uh, That's actually a very good segue. Yeah. (laughs) Guys, why do you always have to be like, hey, Anthony, good segue. Let my awesome segues just happen. You talk to a man in the middle of a no-hitter. My segues are, come on. I just want to call out. I just want to call out. Yeah, we, when I see yeah, we it. want to call out good work. It's just, yeah. it's, I, I, again, take the compliment, make, Anthony. We need to make a gif of like us on segways doing donuts. That's what we need. <laughs> segway, segways. Master of the segway. Um, yeah, Sam, you've been playing Recore, which is developed by Armature Studios. Its creative director is a man named Mark Piscini. And if you do not know that man's <laughs> name, he was the creative director of Metroid Prime way back in the day. Uh, and working alongside Armature Studios was producer Keiji Inafune, whose name is Mud these days because people don't like Mighty Number no. 9. Oh, Keiji maybe Inafune. you shouldn't have... Maybe, maybe... You fucking people shouldn't have been like, hey, just give him a billion dollars so that they'll release Mighty Number no. 9 on 11 different platforms at the same time. It's like none of these because people play that's... Soul Sacrifice. Oh, like... oh my oh, god, I just... Anyway, <laughs> Keiji Inafune, who is the, the... He was the producer of the Mega Man series from Mega Man 2 all the way until the series was mysteriously killed at Capcom in 2011 when he left... Uh, He is also the director behind games like Lost Planet, and in his new company, besides Mighty No. 9, has done production and design help on games like Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z. Uh, And he he filled a very similar role with ReCore. By the way, Yaiba is a great game. Oh and my Anthony god! And I are in no. on this. We, we love Yaiba. Oh, Yaiba oh, no. is a great game. Lucas uses it as a swear word. (laughs) Whenever something's going wrong, you just say, Yaiba. (laughs) It's a synonym for yikes. (laughs) All right, Sam, uh, you are not a fan of ReCore. No, ReCore is either the worst Jack and Daxter sequel or the best Croc Legend of the Gobbos. Oh, <gasps> wow. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a name I haven't heard since. <laughs> That's what oh, they used to call wow. you back in the 19... Marines. <laughs> uh, no, so, okay. So, Recore, it's, oh, it's so frustrating. Like, I really wanted to like this game. It seemed like such a dream team, right? And there are moments where it comes together and it's great her uh the main character you play as jewel which name is so on the nose because it's jewel is in a measurement of energy and you're playing a sci-fi you know robot wasteland area um but anyway she wakes up on this planet 
Uh, there's no other humans around. This place was supposed to be teeming with life, and it's a wasteland. And so you have to go figure out what's happened. And that involves a lot of dungeon delving, platforming, and exploration. The same sort of things that you would see in Metroid Prime. Um, but just, like, every step of the way, there's some sort of misfire, except for the platforming. That's the one thing that works really well. Jewel is a blast to control. I love just going around and jumping and double jumping and dashing all over the place. But, like, you're encouraged to explore, and you come against environmental puzzles that need uh, your robot companions with you to solve. But you can only have two of the four at any given time. And so you need to go to a fast travel station to change them out. And then you go to another place. And, oh, well, now you don't have the right robots. So you have to backtrack to another fast travel location and switch out your robots. Oh, but you know, there's three cores, <laughs> which are like the AI brains of these robots, and four bodies. So if you don't have it in the right body, you need to fast travel back to your crawler, which is your home base. Then you need to switch out the body. And then you need to fast travel back. And then you need to pick up which <laughs> robot you want. And then you can go solve the puzzle. And the load times time. for every time that you go from point A to point B are absurdly long. Two minutes are the norm. I clocked one at above three, and the shortest one that I got for, like, loading an area was around a minute and 15, I think. Um, oh, my gosh. Sam, have you, has, have you tried the PC version yet? I've heard that the uh, the loading times are they're not great on the PC. They're still bad, but I've heard that there is an improvement of, and I can't believe I'm saying this, forty seconds <laughs> on many of the load times. I I have not. Um, I would, but so here's the other like big thing that just is so incredibly frustrating at. If you follow the story path of the game, uh, it will lead you from place to place, and you'll get the requisite number of things that you need. They're called prismatic cores to unlock like the next area or the next dungeon or whatever, if you just follow the main story path. At the end of the game, oh you like five hours in, you have completed 90% of the story at this point. Um, you fight the big bad guy, and he is holed up in his big base of operations, and you need to get to the top of that, which is five floors up. So getting to the big bad guy takes, I might be wrong on this, I hope I'm not, but if I remember correctly, it takes 15 of these prismatic cores to get to him, right? The first level of the floor, of these five floors that you need to go up, is 20. And the one after that is 25. And then one after that is 30. And the one after that is 35. And the one after that is 40. It goes up by five each time. And getting these cores takes a long ass time because you have to go through dungeons and you have to grind and you have to find them and you have to solve those puzzles. And that means more loading times. So it comes to a screeching, horrible halt. And it just made me hate everything that I had been doing. So yeah, like it adds another like six hours of the game just to get to the final boss, right? Yeah. Like something like that? Yeah. Unbelievable. It's, yeah, so your big bad guy, you beat him, and then you have to go through these platforming gauntlets 
because that's what each of the floors is. It's just like a like an old school Mega Man difficulty platforming thing, but in 3D. And those are really fun because they're difficult and challenging, but it's also completely different from the rest of the game. It's like two entirely separate games almost. Man, that like it's so weird, Sam, because listening to you talk about ReCore uh, I, I end up having, A, the same thought you have while Lucas is describing The Last Guardian, and B, having the same thought that Lucas does, where I'm like, that sounds like shit. I can't wait to play it. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like that, it sounds like like the fruits of uh, playing that game are deliciously sweet, but you also have to get through some real garbage to get to them. Yeah. Why, why do you think this happened like was microsoft just not i always think about the fact that we see amazing games come out of uh studios that work with nintendo and nintendo publishes their games and then they don't work with nintendo and you're like what the hell happened like next level games uh freaking luigi's mansion 2 for the nintendo 3ds feels so good it's so perfect it was clearly it clearly went through a quality assurance process that was just so exhaustive that no load time no janky control could ever go like could never stop it but then you play something like next level games captain america tie-in from 2011 i don't know if you guys ever played this <laughs> no okay. no okay so it's this it's this playstation 3 and xbox 360 captain america game that coincided with the first movie and mm. it is straight up an arkham asylum ripoff it is captain america arkham style like same combat same sort of level structure mm. and it would be awesome if anybody had done any quality assurance at all <laughs> But, like, as is, it clearly was like, oh, hey, we finished a build. Ship it. But nobody tested it. Ship it. <laughs> the movie's out uh, but next the, week. The load Get times are the 9 billion years long. Ship the fucking game. Uh, yeah. yeah I, like, I don't know. I The technical problems, I have no idea because both of those studios are very technically competent studios. Yeah. Like, even Mighty Number no. 9 has problems but that's more from trying to release like you said on like 11 different platforms 11 platforms at launch what are yeah. you doing um <laughs> so i don't know where these technical problems come in because it just seems so bizarre i think the pacing and the like no you have to go go get these cores you gotta get the cores man you can't beat our game our game's great you gotta finish it and get all the cores i think that probably comes from when ReCore was first shown off, uh, there were rumors, rumors starting already about how short it was. You know, yeah. that it was, oh, this game's only like four hours long. And ReCore's design just screams of insecurity over a game be Ugh. not being long enough or not being big enough, you know? Ugh. Oh, we're going up against these open world games that people are playing for 400 hours. Make it bigger. Make, make sure that players have to spend more time here. <laughs> it's just... Everything about it screams like, please, please come play more. We have so much stuff. <laughs> Instead of just being content. happy. It could have been a great six-hour game, self-contained, and then if you wanted to, here's all this other stuff you can go do. You have a choice. That sounds but amazing. No, it, yeah, it would be. 
and it but it railroads you into here's what you have to do go level up go out into the desert and fight these stupid spider robots that you've been fighting for the millionth fucking time and come back when you got more cores why can't we still have the four to six hour campaign game why like metal gear solid one can be finished in five hours and 30 seconds you play it the first time like this is not a long game gears of war this this xbox 360 game that people have lionized out the ass and it's really not that good is six hours long oh nice oh i fight a giant bug guy in a train at the end and then it stops awesome guys. <laughs> sweet cool sweet a plus cliffy uh <laughs> good ending but like, like freaking uncharted one uncharted one you, you play it six hours six hours long why would it be a problem if Recore isn't even a $60 game? It's $40. Why can't it just be four hours long? What's the matter with that? And that means that it's like uh, like the prospect of maybe six months, a year later down the line going like, oh, that was fun. I want to do I'm that again. It. I want to play it again. Por- yeah. Doesn't Isn't Portal like 30 minutes long? Can't you finish Portal? <laughs> yeah, the in first like- port- yeah, the first... <laughs> like, if you're good, you can finish the first Portal about 30 minutes. <laughs> like... I, I just I just don't understand if you want if you're like oh crap people are gonna think our game is too short let's pad it out and then you don't do the QA necessary to actually like it's just shocking that Microsoft Game Studios is willing to sit there and be like yeah we're gonna publish this thing and not do any quality assurance at all what the hell are you doing and it's <laughs> yeah. not the first time they've done it I mean you know. There, there is a pattern of Microsoft Game Studios taking games from third-party developers and just putting it out there. Like, it, freaking Ninja Gaiden 2, uh, back in 2008, I, nobody did any testing on that <laughs> at all. It was the buggiest goddamn mess in the world. There's just limbs sitting in midair after a fight, and you're like, why is this happening? Yeah, I don't understand. I don't yeah, get like it, from from what I hear too, it's not just the load times that are bad, but like Recore is kind of just a buggy mess. Like, uh, I think Brad Shoemaker from Giant Bomb tweeted out a video of like, okay, so I fell into a pit and I died. Load, and then it respawns him right above where he died, so he yep. just falls into the pit again. <laughs> I dies, forgot to mention that that happened load, in my playthrough. Fall into the pit die and like that happened to him three times over the course of the game <laughs> both on on xbox and pc Ugh. god Ugh. dang <laughs> yeah i forgot to mention that in my review that situation totally happened to me man awesome that, that yeah. sounds great i wonder i don't know man like do you think that it's like it was the, the like the pc build or or it's just like maybe like when they showed it that video was their like proof of concept thing and the game wasn't even really started yet <laughs> like i don't know like i wonder if it's just quick dev time turnaround maybe kg inafune just has like too many fingers and too many pies and just well, nothing is coming together you know what? Can, can we, can what we I, yeah go ahead sam from what i understood when i was in the room uh with inafune um and the recore team at e3 uh, Inafune did a lot of the world design and like the visualization, but he actually didn't do too much of the 
actual he didn't have much hands-on yeah, yeah. he was just a producer right yeah like that, yeah. that's yeah. that's typically concepts role over yeah. the last like they, they come up with an idea they do some like basic stuff and then they farm it out to like like mighty number no. nine was made by inti creates um, well that's a it's a different situation that's a different situation oh, yeah? because inafune like into creates and inafune are so tied up together and okay. he he was doing direct design work with them much like he did for Mega Man 9 and 10. Okay. And Mega Man ZX and Mega Man ZX Advent and Azer Striker Gunvolt. Like, his relationship with Intercreates is far more intimate than the work he was doing with Armature on Recore and Spark on Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z. It's very different. So, the, the Intercreates situation is, like, he, he does direct design work with them. Yeah, man, I don't know. <laughs> this sounds like a bummer because, like, I, 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 st I still want to play it because I, I would, I am down for like a, like a Beyond Good and Evil slash Mega Man Legends slash like platforming puzzle adventure game type thing. I dig those games. Like those, like Beyond Good and Evil. I used to replay that game like once every year. You know, I love that game, and I want, I want more games like it. And yeah. that's what, like, ReCore really felt like, was this, like, oh, it's, like, let's make a Mega Man legends kind of game. And now, you know, col collect the MacGuffins to open the next area. Like, Jack and Daxter is, like, still yeah. a really great platform. And you know what the thing is? The first Jack and Daxter is also, like, six hours long. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great mm -hmm. game right there. Like, you can, like the speed run to 100% that game was, like, an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah, ReCore ReCore is a really at its core. core uh, <laughs> ReCore ReCore is a really solid 3D platformer. Probably in some of its more inspired moments, one of the best 3D platformers I've probably ever played. It's just wrapped up in all these awful design decisions, like you know. So imagine that you are Samus, but you can only have two of your powers at any given time and you have to hoof it all the way back to the start of the game Why? if you want to trade out your powers. To Why? Jesus. That makes so, no sense. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I like... Uh, I hope and, that the people listening to this podcast and hear the level of frustration in my voice is not because I played a bad game. It's because I played a game that has so much potential and it's so good when it works it's just not. And that's almost worse time. than playing a bad game. That's like, such a yes. When you see something that could be really good. Yeah. And it's just, there's just so many asinine things here that prevent it from being that. That's, man. It's such a bummer, too, because, like, especially with the role that Keiji Inafune played in this, if you go back in time, there are games out there where he played this role and it, the, the result was awesome. Like, where Keiji Inafune stepped in and he was like, here is, you know, design layout and a central premise, and I'm going to be the producer, and then hand it over to another director. Dead Rising 1. Uh, I'm going to be the producer. I'm going to come up with the central idea and a lot of the hooks, and then I'm going to give it to another director. Lost Planet. Two freaking awesome games. Two of the best freaking exclusives for the Xbox 360 when, the, you know, that, that system was still brand new. And, you know, God, like, why isn't that working with these other studios, you know? It, yeah. huh, that sucks! One, <laughs> one more thing I do want to say about ReCore is uh, 
you know, even with all this stuff, you know, you guys are talking about like it sounds good. If you feel comfortable gambling that amount of money or whatever amount, you know, if it's on sale in the future, like good for you. Like, uh, you know, still, if you want to try it, my review isn't there to say don't spend the money on it. It's mm. here's what my experience was. I had somebody on Twitter. I told you guys this in chat, but for the first time in both my professional and personal life, I was I was accused of being whack. <laughs> Someone on Twitter said that he didn't see any technical problems in a Twitch stream that somebody was doing, and I was. Oh yeah, that's well, you know that's uh, that's always that's... the barometer right there. <laughs> right. That's how and you so... weigh. That's how you weigh a game's technical excellence. Is I saw Bro McBro sixty nine on, on Twitch. my mobile phone with the my hashtag influencers. <laughs> Yo, bro, I was looking at my Galaxy S Note five. Seven, and I saw the, seven, the one that explodes. The one, the one that explodes. <laughs> and this I really Twitch, like that exploding feature. This streamer, he was so great. I had just put in uh, some American flag emoji, and the gameplay was so hot that my phone exploded. Uh, <laughs> in 360p. In 360p, you're wiggity whack. So, <laughs> so the just guy, regular like, type. If I. If I remember this Twitter conversation right, he was like, well, I'm still going to get it. It's like, good. I don't care. Like, <laughs> buy whatever game you want. I don't... Do what makes you happy. If this game makes you happy, then good for you. I'm genuinely happy for you if you enjoy ReCore to the point that you would consider it like a 4 out of 5 or a 5 out of 5 or a whatever out of 5. Sure. I... That is not my problem, and I'm not telling anybody how to spend their money. If you want to play ReCore, go play ReCore. If you don't, then don't. <laughs> I will be life, not man. playing that game. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm i going to play it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have it on... <laughs> I'm going to play it. You guys I look are forward masochists. to discussing it with you after. <laughs> this yeah. whole podcast has just been the episode of, hey, don't these games sound like shit? I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. For honors, for honors, the app, the opposite. Hey, isn't this game really good? I hate I don't it. want to touch it ever again. <laughs> hey, isn't this game really well Speak made? And all these people yourself. are really excited about it. Uh, I hate that game. <laughs> uh, so right here at the at the end of the show, everybody, as we bring things to a close, uh, Tokyo Game Show is going on right now and when you listen to this on monday tokyo game show will be complete uh we'll have articles about it on gamesradar.com there are a bunch of stage shows for games that are really exciting and just before we wrap up i just dave how are you feeling about metal gear survive made by the metal gear solid 5 team so Um, konami says so when we're recording this it's it's friday morning and we and the, the video of the like the, they're doing a gameplay presentation on the stage floor on uh, like Friday evening, like Friday night slash Saturday morning um, in America. And I'm curious. <laughs> That's where I'll leave it. <laughs> um, is your heart open I, or is it okay, closed? So so here's the thing. Like I am. I am I'm an eternal cautious optimist. I want things to be good. I want to believe in things, but I also know the history of Konami and video games over the last several years 
not terribly great. Mm. <laughs> and I'm hoping, like, you know, like, the, the news came out that uh, Metal Gear Survive is being made by a bunch of the, the team members uh, who worked on Phantom Pain. Ostensibly the ones who didn't up and leave with Kojima when he formed. Yeah, I want to. I want to know who these employees are. Yeah, starring intern number one. Yeah, intern no, like, number I, two. Man, Konami is kind of turning into the like Ray Kazar era of Atari. Yeah, where yeah. like, like I I would not be surprised if Konami just didn't include credits on games yeah. anymore, mm-hmm. and just like you know, no one knows who makes our games because they don't want anyone to get thoughts in their head like Kojima that they can run the joint um but yeah man like I I don't know I want it to be good like people talk about like oh it's a zombie game like like zombies were in the Phantom Pain yeah. I mean they were there and there wormholes, was awesome. were, wormholes were in the Phantom Pain they're there it's canonical so like that's the part that doesn't bother me it's the like four player co-op survival game is just like it's it's a really soulless thing to make. Yeah, dude, this game this game is what what was the name of that direct to DVD Donnie Darko sequel? Right. Yeah, that's This, this. is Donnie Darko 2. That is yeah. what this is. Like th- th- yeah, this is There're going to be so many microtransactions is... in there. You're going to it'll leave your head spinning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like the the thing is, like they're, they're positioning it as a like it's it's good it's not going to be a full priced game, like it's not going to be sixty dollars, so that means there are going to be microtransactions out the out the uh, the wazoo here. Um, yeah, I mean, and you know, Phantom this... Pain had them too. You could buy insurance for Mother Base. Um, <laughs> is this game one step away from a Metal Gear Solid MOBA? Like, if MOBAs hadn't died out. The way that they did, uh, <laughs> we'll be seeing a Metal Gear Solid MOBA. Yeah, man, this feel like I, I'm not gonna say that it, it it sounds like it's not like Nosgoth, where yeah. it's like yeah, let's <laughs> let's get in on the zeitgeist. But it does feel, Sam, like a bunch of executives were sitting in a room in 2013, and it's like, well, we don't want to spend any more than ten dollars on making a console game anymore (laughs) so what's really hot right now all right well we have ten dollars and these assets that cost us 250 million dollars and uh i guess uh i just watched a highlight reel of uh e3 2013 on on gametrailers.com and uh (laughs) I guess four-player co-op and the esports. Yeah, do it. Just do that. Just Zom- wait. Like eight Y'all zombie ever heard of Fortnite? Of now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like I want it to be good, and the fact that like me- like Metal Gear Solid Five, like I have, it is my favorite game in the series. Um, for a number of reasons, uh, and one of the biggest ones is just that it's just it's a blast to play. It is the most fun game mm. to just to just play and like slink around and and like the combination of stealth and action and the way that you can just seamlessly transition between the two and like it just feels so good to move around that world. Um, there's no limit to sprinting. You could just run forever. The best. Uh, so. The fact that there's a really solid foundation for Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Survive to build on top of at least gives me some hope 
for the for the overall quality of like the play. Like I don't think we're gonna look at like an umbrella course situation here where you're just <laughs> like you look at that game you and still just need go, those oh, oh, what is like? Why would you do this? Why? What? <laughs> this is so bad. Why are you crawling on the ground and running at f- fifty miles an hour? That like I, I don't think we're gonna get that. But I also don't know if it's going like it's it's certainly not gonna be made with the same level of care that you know the Phantom Pain was. Well, nothing uh, ever will again. Right. <laughs> um, there is no game that will be made for that much money that is going to be that obsessively curated ever right. again. But that you know is. what game I am looking forward to, though? Don't Yakuza say it. Yakuza 6. Don't, oh, God, you said it. I said it. You, you went there. Watch, watch That's a, Haruka's watch a, baby! That's watch Haruka's a grown baby. ex-mafia man hang out in a Hawaiian shirt and play ukulele on a street corner. I just want to put this out there. So this is a game where you play as a guy in a white leisure suit Yes. That he's been wearing consistently since 1986. Yes. He will pick up a fat man and drag his face along the concrete so hard that it literally scrapes his cheek open. Yes. <laughs> In this game, you can make that man adopt stray cats and then open a cat cafe where they hang out. <laughs> you can make him go sailing. You can have him start a local baseball team. And then you can watch one of the most accredited, acclaimed, and beloved Japanese film actors it's a be Keishi motion Kano. captured and throw a baby. Throw a baby. One of the mini games. Like, like, not just like, here, take this baby. Like, like he heaves that child. <laughs> and the child just has this, like, and then it cuts the face of the baby. And, and the baby sight. just has this, like, yeah, she, like, super into it. Beatific joy. Oh Do you understand? There is a trailer that, like, it's like exciting mini games tour, and in the middle of it, it like flashes. There's like a star wipe on the screen, and it's like soothe a crying baby mini game, <laughs> soothe a crying baby mini game. Yes. And then two seconds later, it's like Virtua Fighter Five is included in the like, game. The whole thing. That's it. What? It's the best. It's the, it's the game. It's yeah. the game. It's the only game anyone will ever need. Ever. Like Yakuza, Yakuza Five had Virtual Fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, was it one of the older ones? I'm trying to remember. I think it it's might not, have been yeah, one of the older it, ones. It's, it's not even a full Virtual Fighter. It's no, just, it's Virtual Fighter One, but it's truncated. But but you can play it online against other people. Mm-hmm. This is Virtual Fighter Five in its entirety. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> also, Taiko Drum Master was in Virtual and, pu- and Puyo Puyo. Oh my Puyo, god! Two-player arcade Puyo Puyo that you can what? play online. Yeah. What? Yeah. No, if you have not played Yakuza, Lucas, let's tell you a little bit about Yakuza. I still need to no, get on I, that Yakuza Five code I think that you guys I, hit I, me up with. You need. You don't need to know anything else, Lucas. Just know <laughs> that everything we said to you is true. Yes. No. <laughs> I'm also, already on board. That a hardened criminal goes to jail for 20 years, breaks out of jail, intentionally goes back to jail, breaks out of that jail, (laughs) then steals a snowmobile, crashes that snowmobile into a bear, and then fights the bear with his hand. (laughs) 
That happens. That is good living. There is a fully fledged hunting mini game in Yakuza Five. And not like not like big buck hunter. You're gonna go out and shoot a deer. Like no, you need to learn how to like squat in the forest in the middle of winter for hours, and then like take one shot at a deer and you might miss. <laughs> Yakuza Six <laughs> is going to be the greatest game ever made in the history. Ever of made. Video games. Ever. And we're gonna have to wait like three years for it because we yeah, still don't even probably, have Yakuza we'll Zero. Probably never gonna get to play it. Uh, <laughs> Better learn Japanese real fast. <laughs> learn Japanese stat. Uh, yeah, everybody, I think that about wraps up the show for this week. We don't want to talk uh, about Kojima real quick. No. Death Stranding's an open world game, guys. You're, you're just going to want him to Just take so you nap. know. Like, don't, don't, feed the, don't feed the Kojimas, Dave. An open world game with online elements. That's don't, your hot Kojima news for the week. Don't feed the Kojimas. I just, just gonna, Dave, you're allowing him to sell you more mugs right now. Did you know that it could store hot and cold beverages? <laughs> you can keep cold beverages cold and hot beverages my, will stay my hot. My God. And, uh... Uh, actually, Lucas, Sam, is there anything that you guys have up on the site that you want to draw folks' attention to? Lucas, you've seen... So many games. You have so many good previews up. Uh, anything you want people to check out? Uh, I think uh, I think people should just read the Last Guardian preview and, and see for themselves what. I feel like I'm I'm more articulate in writing than I am <laughs> on the mic. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have we'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, when you see this, everybody. Sam, how about you? Well, you know, I'm just on the news beat, so I don't get to do the, like, fun previews that are super long and super interesting. If you want, go ahead and read my recall review, and then, if you want, play it for yourself. See how much of an asshole I am, and... Uh, Yell at him on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call him whack. Yeah. Actually, also, I did yeah. remember one thing. Hate, hate follow, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the, that's the uh, that's the theme of 2016, I think. Hey, yeah. follow, subscribe. Lucas, uh, I did publish something on uh, Neo versus Dark Souls uh, on Monday, but uh, oh. I went oh, real in depth nice. after loving oh, the beta test, mm. and people seem to like that article. So, if more people read it, so much the better. Yeah, that's, that's Neo, everybody. That's N I O H. Neato. It's Neato. Uh, Dave, you also have uh, World of Final Fantasy preview that people should check out yeah. if you're curious about that game. And you also have an interview with a storied creator that is... Will that be up by the time this airs? I'm still working on it. Uh, I'm hoping to get it up uh, by Monday. If not, look for it shortly after. But uh, yeah, I, I got to speak with Suda51 a little bit about The Silver Case, his uh, the first game that he made with his uh, studio, Grasshopper, Grasshopper Manufacturer, and they're porting it uh, from the PlayStation original to PC and um, fully in English. So it's the first time that it's it's being made available outside of its home country of Japan uh, for worldwide audience, which is Vita really going to be good. Vita port or bust, baby. Man. <laughs> Apparently there was that. supposed to be a DS version of that game, but I know, canceled I know. it because yeah. it didn't turn out too hot 
You well, you can see you can act, like there are screens out there of of the Vito, uh, the DS prototype because they started doing it after Flower Sun and Rain, right? And it was not coming along as good mm. as Flower Sun and Rain. And apparently, there's a sequel that was only available on like two different Japanese mobile phone carriers. <laughs> So they're like, well, if this does well, we'd like to go back to the second one and maybe bring that to platforms that people actually own now. Good, good God. Um, so, yeah. Good God. Uh, one last note for me, everyone. Go play Dragon Quest Seven. I started it last night. Dragon Quest Seven for your 3DS. If you like traditional Japanese role-playing games, there is nothing else like this out there right now not that shin megami tensei 4 apocalypse not that etrian odyssey bullshit (laughs) none of that if you want if you want to do it up old school if you want to press the a button nine times just to get into a shop this is the jam if you want to spend two hours before you even get to a single fight oh hey 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 I did it last night. It took me an hour and 24 minutes to get to the first fight, okay? <laughs> if you want to spend 20 hours before you unlock the job system. Oh, God, it's so good. Oh, <laughs> what a just, rush. Oh, God, I just want to mainline it. I just, I want to just melt a Dragon Quest Seven cartridge and snort it. Uh, Jesus. That probably won't work. That probably won't work. <laughs> Melting right, plastic in your nostrils. Yeah, it'll literally, it'll just be. How did you get melted plastic in your sinus? Don't worry about it. Now. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody, please, uh, you know, follow us on on the internet at the various places. We do encourage you to give us a review on iTunes. Every podcast ends that way, but it is important, and we like when you do it. And if you do review us on iTunes, we will read that review out loud for you. Uh, we will be back next week at the, the same time on Monday. Until then, be well, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace. Bye.